So, thank God it's a great uh, privilege to be in a new place for me to visit into a house of prayer, a house of Torah learning. It, uh, it really feels babayit, it really feels home. So, Baruch Hashem, it's a beautiful feeling. Very, um, very inspiring to see new souls to meet new souls of Israel joining by the new ties, new connections with souls. Secrets of Torah are being revealed and not for no reason the Torah was given to the public of Israel when they were parking united as one, as one unit in front of the mountain. And uh, Rashi is adding is one person with one heart and then they received the whole Torah because of the unity so we're not able yet to unite completely that will be a great stand that will take place only when Mashiach will come or when Mashiach will reveal himself to us already he might came and we don't know it's written that Mashiach will come when our minds will be distracted like Sunday, we're all going to say, oh, he's already here? <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. So then the people of Israel and the whole world with them, with us, will be able to enjoy the great wisdom to be revealed again. And the knowledge will expand and will grow and will cover the world and like water covers the sea. So until then, we're able only to bring some of our parts, of our merits, of our connection to the Torah um, into revealing, into action by gathering in Bate Midrashot and Bate Knesiyot and keeping mitzvot together. So there is a great thing in doing that. And tonight we're going to see what our souls are revealing. When Moshe was standing on Mount Sinai and talking with Hashem and receiving the Torah. So suddenly Hashem said to Moshe, you need to go back, go down, because your people, they sin. So Rashi is explaining that the reason why Hashem brought Moshe up to that level, that he was standing face to face talking to him, on Mount Sinai was only for the public of Israel. All the greatness of Moshe was for the people of Israel. That's how Moshe got the, the motivation to do so much because he was able to recognize their greatness of the individuals, of everyone. It's written on Moshe that he was sag mikol vachol, means that he was looking for the ones who were left behind and he was running to be with them. He was going to those ones that were sagim mikol bachol, that were like totally empty from anything. He didn't have anything with them, no Torah, no mitzvot. And he was with them. He saw their glory and how important they are in the eyes of the maker of the universe. So he committed himself to serve them. He was not our master. He was not our king. He was our servant. 
he was Meshavet, he was serving, he was doing everything he could just for us. He saw our greatness. So when people are coming to learn Torah, and the class will be amazing, super fantastic, inspiring, touching their souls. It's not because of the rabbi. Maybe the rabbi will have the merit to deliver the message that belongs to you, to the listeners, to the one that came. Hashem is talking to you. And this is why we are commanded every time we're coming to learn Torah, to aim, to believe, to understand that our Torah learning right now is as if we are receiving the Torah now from Mount Sinai. Because any Torah revealing is exactly like it was in Matan Torah, in front of Mount Sinai, that we received the Torah. And like that in Purim, Ki Muve Ki that we received the Torah again and were able to keep it again. So every time that you take upon yourself to keep Torah, you're receiving the Torah. Like when you go to see a face of a righteous man, so you are going to be Mekabel Panim, to receive his face. And you're receiving his face. You're receiving into your face. Some people can look at you if they have the eyes and they can tell you exactly who you learned Torah from. Because the Torah that is the face, the illumination of the face of the teacher, is coming out in his speech when Moshe was t- talking Torah. So Karan Or Panav, the face, of his, his portrait, the light of his soul was shining out from his face. So people received Torah. When you learn Torah and you allow your soul to shine and you let your soul, the spiritual power of yours, to overpower your physical being by being kind, by being nice, by allowing yourself to work out of your soul, being the spirit that you are and not the physical body that you are, not the vehicle just the soul. So when people are seeing you, they see the shine. Even if they don't have the awareness or the eyes to recognize, hey, I see lights, I see the shine. No, we might not be able to see that physically or our awareness is not delivering that knowledge like our back and like the subconscious is not delivering the knowledge of what we're experiencing to our awareness. But the truth is that we are experiencing that great revealing of the person's soul. Now, what is the soul of the person? It's a portion of God from above. So when you see the shine of Moshe or the shine of the inspirational speaker or the person that has a great illumination right now, you are enjoying his godliness. The godly soul that is Hashem. You cannot cut Hashem into pieces and like make a business out of, oh yeah, it's my portion. No. Chelek Adonai Amo. The portion of Hashem, we have a portion. What is our portion? The soul. Chelek Eloka Mimal. A portion of godliness from above. Also Hashem has a chelek, has a portion. What's his chelek? Amo. His nation. His people. It's us. The Gemara in Masechet Brachot that is discussing people putting filin is explaining to us that our act of filin putting is part of Hashem's act of putting filin, because Hashem Himself also putting filin. When you're crowning Hashem, Hashem is crowning you. It's Hashem Emirta Yom, Hashem Emircha Yom. 
you are putting Hashem in the peak of your being, above your head, with a tefillin, and Hashem is doing the same. And now what is written, the Gemara is asking, in Hashem's tefillin, who is great as your people, the people of Israel, there is no one like them. That is what Hashem is doing when he's putting tefillin. Hashem does not say, you should love Hashem your God. No, that's not what Hashem says. Hashem is saying, there is no one like you, the people of Israel. Look at you, how cute you are, how amazing you are. Touching my heart, you're touching my soul, you're inspiring me, you're bringing me back. Please call me. That's what Hashem is saying. You're going to come back to me. I'm going to come back to you. Hashem is begging. Hashem is asking. Hashem is calling us all the time. And we just need to believe in ourselves because for us, after going through all those horrible, horrible pains, all the trauma that we're carrying, it's so hard for us to believe in ourselves. It's like almost impossible. Me? I can please Hashem. I'm making Hashem proud. Hashem is proud with me. So why am I not succeeding? Why am I not happy? So why am I not blooming? Why I keep forgetting? Why I lost that opportunity? Like all our logic is working against us trying to overpower the low self-esteem, the lashonara, the evil speeches of the evil inclination against us to make us doubt our greatness. Because when you doubt your greatness, you cannot work out of your great potential. You're not going to buy your own thoughts. You're not going to believe yourself. But when you drop all that negativity, all those evil speeches of your evil inclination, of your Yetzirah, then suddenly you're just a free person to do whatever you want. And Chofshi, it's to keep mitzvot, Chofshi la mitzvot. That's how you're going to express your freedom. That's why in the day of redemption, we are all going to be set free. Vekarati dror ba'arit, Hashem will call for general freedom. Everyone will set free, everyone. There will be no more obligations. And if you will be committed to something, it's going to be out of your great will, out of an inner inspiration and great desire to attach yourself to something so divine, so special. So that's called tshuva me'ahava. And tshuva me'ahava is one gate. And tshuva me'ira'ah, tshuva, atonement from fear, is another gate. You have those two gates, two amazing gates. You can enter to Hashem in both lanes in both gates now you would assume that a lower person will enter through the lower gate simple i'm not that high i cannot reach the highest level i will get into that one tshuva from your eye is the lower gate but it's impossible for people like us to get inside kedusha from that gate of fear and the evidence is that we're kicking. When we start suffering, when we start feeling pressured and pressed, we're rejecting. We're not able to keep up in that speed. We're taking a few steps back and we're saying, no, listen, I, I need to understand what's going on here. I need to breathe. I need to realize. I need to, like, I, we're not in our nature now, in our generation, in these days, we're not able to receive full authority full judgments. No, that's how it is. And that's how you need to keep it. And you have to do it. And you must. 
I don't know one person that will hold on and really going to survive as a servant of Hashem and not a servant of his angers, of his fear. Really to remember Hashem and to work under crazy pressure. In my 25 years of Truva journey, I haven't met one. And I met some thousands of people throughout those years. So I don't know, maybe you're going to teach me better. But as for now, I'm holding to that shita. So how can it be the people that are holding themselves as small? I'm not learning enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not generous enough. I'm afraid too much. I'm not polite enough. And on and on, all the self-criticism, all the self-blaming, all the self-slaughtering on a daily basis, holding us in the minimum. Yeah, I'm barely functioning. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I want. Not always. I'm also falling from my will. Also, my inspiration is not always in its peak. And on and on and on. Always being judgmental, lowering ourselves as beings. How can it be that such low people won't be able to get into the lower gate? Because it's all a fraud. Because it's a scam. Because all that criticism that you're experiencing against yourself is the plan of the evil incarnation of the Yetzirah that does not want you to understand and realize how powerful you are. How gigantic is your potential? How amazing is your soul? And the tools that you've been blessed with, the ability to pray, the ability to learn, the ability to access into knowledge that was hidden and covered and sealed from all generations before of us. No one had access to internet, for an example. No one had such gigantic bookcases and yeshivot spread around that they could enter and open books and consult with people and making phone calls and video calls to the U.S., to rabbis, to scholars, to people, to teachers, to Google some questions and to look from real sources like Sepharia and on, like you can find anything you, your heart desire today. Hashem opened those gates for us. For what? For what? For what reason? If not for the fact that the flowers are blooming and the fruits are coming out and you can become a scholar and to be aware to hundreds and thousands of books today, even with that minimal uh, amount of, of, of gigabyte of your low and scratched and damaged memory, you can put all that information on your Google Drive and you can search and research and go back into that information. And Hashem did that. Did you know that the Baal Shem Tov was able to talk to righteous people, to different people, when he was in one state and they were on another? It was 250 years ago, and it was only the Baal Shem Tov and the 36 hidden righteous people, privilege and power in that generation. 250 years ago, only 36 people in each generation were able to communicate from different states. Today, 8 billion people are able to do that. Now you're going to say, yeah, because of the phones, because of the computers. And I'm going to tell you that today, Hashem's passion to reveal His endless light, His 100% control of creation, is so great, he wants to reveal it to us, and we don't have the vessels, 
So he is covering it and he's blocking it and he's creating excuses for how it can take place and happen in our lives. We have to receive an explanation that will justify the existence of Hashem or else we wouldn't be able to follow. We wouldn't be able to follow. If it wouldn't be covered in plastic, in bright colors, for it to shine, because we have been hurt tremendously. People that read a little bit about their own history, their nation's history, human beings' history, you can, like, die from fear by reading about our history, what that our ancestors went through and gone through in their lifetimes 70 years ago, 150 years ago, 300 years ago, 500 years ago, 700 years ago, 1500 years ago, 2000 years ago. Horrible, horrible pains that destroyed our self-esteem and our faith and our hope in goodness. We lost that. We're terrified. Everyone are so terrified. Everyone are so lost. Everyone is so scared. What's going to happen? Every pain attack. Oh, it might be cancer. Every thought, it might be cancer. Every rumor, it might be this. I might lose everything. I'm, you don't have like 200 shekels for, for your rent. I'm going to be homeless. I'm like, everything is going down the hill. Why? Why are we such, why are we so terrified? really experienced pain in such severe ways that we're carrying scars. Those are patterns that we attach to ourselves, that we took upon ourselves, always to be worried, because we never know where the next hit is going to come from. We learned it in our lifetime, and our parents taught us how to be careful and how to watch our backs. You must watch yourself. I had students, student, I think seven years ago. They were like rock and missile. And he was so terrified. A guy from Brooklyn. And he like came to me. I don't know what to do. And like suddenly I realized like the guy is, is not is not stable anymore. Like he he's losing connection because of the terror and like nothing goes on. Like we we lived in Jerusalem, then like there was nothing going on. Like, yeah, missiles, like, okay, rockets. Yeah, I, I hear, like, no one cares. When you hear, like, you, you hear it. You barely, barely experience it. But for him, that he came from Brooklyn, to Eretz Israel, and his mother, she told him, and his father just called, and in the news, and they're hearing, and like, he can see those rockets falling on his head while holding the Maran, like, a, and, and nothing gonna happen, like everything's gonna be okay. The fear and the terror are tools in the hands of the Yatsara to take us away from our amazing potential of growth. Because for you to grow, you need your mind to be settled, you need to be relaxed, you need to be okay, you need to be able to breathe, 
to eat right, to sleep right, to have good friends around you, to have a community, something like your needs. You must have your needs. And that's why Hitabodedut, the individual prayer, is the most important tool in our hands. Because the Hitabodedut is the highest level of them all. And I'm not saying it because that I'm a Breslever Hasid. As a Breslever Hasid, I was exposed to a lot of knowledge in that area. But the truth is that the Torah is talking about it. That the Gemara is talking about it. That the real true sages revealed to us the greatness and the, 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 how productive and useful that tool of the individual prayer is. And the Gemara in Masechet Brachot again is talking about it many, many times, bringing the examples of Abraham waking up early in the morning and going and talking to Hashem, to a place that was set for him to pray. What was he doing over there? The Siddur book was written more than over 1,000 years later. There was no Siddu. Abraham was not praying Shacharit. He was not saying, No, there was no Siddu. Abraham was talking to Hashem like you talk to the Maker. An individual prayer. That is Tfilah Midoraita. By the Bible, by the Torah, the mitzvah of Tfilah is the individual prayer. It's not the Shemona Esle. The Shemona Esle is the Rabbanan. Is the obligation that our sages, because they saw that the generations are suffering and they might forget how to pray from the heart, they established for us the three prayers a day, Shacharit, Mincha, Arvit. And there are great discussions about it in the Gemara, explaining to the people exactly how you cannot enjoy the world without praying first. So they said the brachot for us, and you must say, and if you don't know what to say, you can say, I heard on one woman in Tel Aviv, the did and she was saying, it was all happened because of him, not by him, because of him. Sometimes you go through such pain in life, you have to put the blame on someone. Everything is because of him. Okay, it's a good way to look at things. No problem. That's why he's called Hashem. It's almost Hashem. Hashem is guilty. He's Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. He's Hashem. He's the one to blame. We can put all the blame on him. King David was doing it all the time. Even Moshe Rabbeinu did it and told Hashem, what do you want from them? You turned their face away from you. You hid your face from them. When you see Hashem, when you have faith, when you are inspired, it's only because of one thing, that Hashem took away the curtain, Hashem opened the light, Hashem allowed the light to shine towards you. So now you can see. But if Hashem will hide his face, you won't be able to see. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu fell on his face and fainted when Hashem told him that in that day, I'm going to hide the fact that I'm hiding my face from them. Moshe realized that there's going to be a moment that not only that Hashem will not be seen, also people won't search for him anymore. Hashem will hide the fact that he's hiding from our awareness, God forbid, and therefore no one's going to search anymore. When Moshe heard that, that's it. He lost it. He fell on his face. How, how are we going to deal with such horrible hastara? That Hashem will hide his face from us in such a way that we're going to forget of his existence anymore. We wouldn't even, it won't cross our minds to look for him. Thank God that it's not 
our situation, but as people who are Baalei Tshuva, that atoned some and did Tshuva and came back to Hashem, we remember how we lived our lives as secular people. Personally, I never thought about Hashem in my first 19 years of my life. It like barely had moments of thoughts. There might be a creator. Maybe there is a God, like probably because I like watched some movie or read some book that like it was discussed over there. So I said like I was doubting. I was maybe after watching Star Wars, I remember myself trying to pull things with with the force. Yeah, definitely. But in reality, it was still, yeah, we're Jedi's, we're Jewish. What can we do? That's part of our theme. So the main tool that we have been blessed with is the power of prayer. And that's why Yitzchak was He went to speak with Hashem in the field. And how do we know that that's what he was doing? Because when Eliezer brought Rivka, the wife of Yitzchak, she saw a man walking with his arms spread in the field. And she realized Adam Gadolhu, it's a great person. And she asked, who is he? She asked Eliezer, the slave, the servant of Abraham, who is that great person that is going with his arms spread like that in the field, talking to the maker? Who is that great person? He told her that Yitzchak, that's your future husband. She fell off the camel. She fainted. I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. That's going to be my husband. And you know what Hashem did to them? He didn't give them children. Why? Because Hashem desired their prayers. So that Mara is explaining that Yitzchak and Rivka were climbing to the roof of their apartment, of their tiny apartment. And he was facing that direction and she was facing that direction. And they were praying and they were asking, please Hashem, we need boys. Please Hashem, give us children. Please Hashem, because the maker of the universe desires the prayers of the people of Israel. And that's why the, the, the mothers were all akarot. How do you say akarot? Barren. Barren. Thank you. Because Hashem wanted them to scream because Hashem... So now we're going to ask, what? How can it be? We do not realize how enormous is the effect of our prayer. Rabbi Yochanan said, I wish that people will pray the whole day long. 24 hours, 12 hours a day that you're going to pray. I wish. All day long that you're going to pray. But for you to know on what to pray, you need to learn Torah. Because that's what you're going to pray for. Hashem want to fly. What are you going to pray for? You need to learn what Hashem wants from you. That is written in the Torah. And on that you're going to go and pray. Please Hashem help me to keep Shabbat. Please Hashem help me to be happy. Please Hashem help me to learn more Torah. Please Hashem help me to understand and keep what that I learned. That today like the Ramban told his son, when you stand up from the great books, now you need to ask yourself, what can I keep? What can I do? What will I take from that learning, from that great learning into my life? When a person is learning Torah, he's being inspired to follow Hashem. He's reading many sections of the Torah and they're supporting his being and his path in so many ways. It can be chasidut, but it can also be halakha, and it also can be musar, and it can be whatever gives you taste and reason to keep on learning. A person must learn in a place that is heartfelt desire. 
that is happy to learn there. It can be a place, it can be a Beit Midrash, it can be a book. If you find yourself opening the book again and again, again and again and again, and it's super dry, and it's not motivating you to learn again, to come tomorrow and open the book again, you need to close that book. And maybe you can apologize and say to that author, I'm sorry, I'm not in that level for now, but I must find something else. I'm going to tell you about myself. The main kind of books that I read in all my 20-something years of tshuva, around 25 years of tshuva, is mainly stories about righteous people. Mainly Sipuret Sadikim, Sipuret Maasiyat, Sipuret Sadikim. When I am like low in energy, I wanted to say dying, because when I feel like dying, only stories of true righteous people are bringing me the energy back. Like that's the only thing I'm talking about Torah. Also to speak with my wife, also to see my children, also to, to do it for the dude. A lot of things can give me the spirit back, but from Torah, when I feel very low in energy, only stories of Tzadikim gives me life. So why that I won't enjoy this great section that is open and offered to me? So the Gemara is asking in the same Masechet Brachot, so we're going to make Siyum Masechet. In the Gemara in Masechet Brachot, the Gemara is saying, Kerum Zulut Libne Adam brings a verse that even to great Hebrew speakers, great scholars, this verse is hard. You cannot understand the meaning. That's why we need the sages. The verse is saying, Kerum Zulut Libne Adam. Kerum we never use that word, zulut, we never use that word, libne adam, to human beings. We don't understand that. What does it mean? The Gemara is explaining, there are things that are in the peak of the world, kerum, as the highest thing of them all, zulut, and people are mezalzelim bahem, disrespect them. And Rashi is saying, kegont as prayer that is in the highest place of the world, and people disrespect them. What does it mean, disrespect? No, I am praying Shacharit, I am praying Mincha. Why, why say that I disrespect it? Because we are still not appreciating it enough, not even close to enough. We do not realize that greatness, the greatness of that tool that is called Tefillah. The King David, the Mashiach, said, Va'anit Tefillah. You ask me, who am I? I am prayer. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara is testifying about him, that there was no dot in the sky. One point in the whole sky of the desert. It was open wide. He saw the horizon 360 degrees around him. The sky was like a kippah, covered him completely. There was no point, no dot in the sky that Moshe did not send prayers to. He was praying here and there and there and there and there. Millions and millions of prayers. He was always praying. That was his power. And that's how he opened the Red Sea. And that's how he spoke with Hashem. And that's how he brought the plagues on the Egyptians. And that's how he redeemed the nation of Israel out of Egypt that it was an impossible place to come out from. Reminding of our reality. That you look at it today and it's like impossible. How are we going to deal with the great, horrible challenges and difficulties that our generation is trapped within? How can we rescue people that are involved in things that are like 
impossible for us to understand. We're not able to understand even how to help them. We've never been to their condition. We never found those dark spots. We never experienced such pain. How are we going to save them? Only through prayer. Only prayer is the tool that you can use to hook someone, to fish someone out of his swamp of despair, out of his complete loneliness and his great struggles, and to pull him to the light with your simple requests. But for that, you need to believe in yourself, in the power that was given to you by the maker of the universe, that to us, to the people of Israel, he revealed the secrets. He told us exactly how you can make wonders, exactly how you can correct the world. How can you do it yourself? Moshe Rabbeinu was arguing with Hashem for seven days and seven nights, not to receive the role of leading the people of Israel. He refused. He could not believe in any scenario that he is worthy and right for the role, for the job. He could not believe. There was no option in it. He was arguing with Hashem. Hashem told him, I want you to do it. And Moshe found millions of reasons why it's not about him. No way. Anyone else that he could offer, he offered. He was talking, maybe it's going to be on. Maybe it's going to be this. Maybe going to be that. Maybe you should do it. Maybe the angels, look, Hashem, I'm going to tell you, do this. No, that's a better plan. Do that. No, Hashem. In the end, you know how the discussion finished? When Hashem told him, shut up. That's how the discussion finished. It happened a few times. Few times Moshe was arguing and arguing and arguing with Hashem because Moshe is a person of truth. When things are not settled into his mind, he is not able to, to, to comprehend them and to follow them. He needs to understand. What do you want from me, Hashem? How can I redeem the people of Israel if I'm the reason for their exile? For an example, like how are you going to explain to me that I'm a redeemer when I'm the source of their pain? If you are explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu that he's the general soul, that he's the soul that can gather everyone, that his speeches will collect everyone and inspiring them because he's the general soul that equals to the souls of Israel. So Moshe is understanding from that in the most humble way that he's the reason why they're all in such pain and poverty and suffering because of his sins, because of my mistakes or else if I'm a general soul, like you just explained to me, and their redemption depends on me, so it means that I cause them all the pain. So how can I face them? How can I tell them what to do? How can I come from a higher position to them when I'm the reason for all their pain, for all their suffering? What Moshe was thinking to himself when Hashem is telling him things face to face in a way that no other prophet ever ever experienced and saw before. Moshe reached a level that was higher than the level of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. How can it be for Moshe? Ask Moshe, how can it be that Hashem is talking to you? When Hashem was talking to Abraham, Abraham was falling on his face. When Hashem was talking to Yitzhak, Yitzhak was shaking. Yitzhak lost his eyesight because of the visions. He was not able, his eyes were not able to hold the great light that he saw. In the three years that Yitzhak Yitzchak, probably talking to great scholars here, according to the amount of books that I can see in front of me. So Yitzchak spent three years of his life when he was 37 to the age of 40, 
in the Garden of Eden. He was in heaven for three years. Yitzchak. And he saw everything. Three years he spent in heaven. And when he came back, the illumination of his soul is something that we cannot understand and describe, of course. And Moshe reached a higher level than his. Yaakov's bed was complete. Yaakov delivered the 12 tribes of Israel. Yaakov reached the, the level of Israel that he is the source of that idea and concept that is called Israel. It's Yaakov. It's the innocent side of Yaakov. It's the goodness of Yaakov that is revealed through all of the good actions of all the population of Israel, throughout all the generations, all of that was treasured in Yaakov. And Moshe was higher than that. Moshe achieved a higher level than the ancestors. Now, explain to that person, Moshe, that he is holding the highest level of them all. That Moshe is the most humble person in the world. And he's writing that in the Bible, in the Torah. How can Moshe understand that? It's impossible. A humble person will understand that he is the highest person of them all, that he is better, that he is greater, that he is enjoying greater illuminations than Abraham Avinu. Like, can, can Moshe grasp that? But Moshe's understanding was like that. Moshe is asking himself, why in the redemption from Egypt, Hashem is rescuing the people of Israel himself and not an angel? Why Hashem is not sending angels to save and redeem the people of Israel from Egypt? Why should Hashem come himself alone into that dark place and redeem them? Because the contamination that was in Egypt in those days was so dark, was so horrible, that even the angels were not able to go to that place. Even though that angels are made of fire, if angels would go to Egypt, they would fall and they would become fallen angels. Like we know that angel, angels fail and, and fell in the past. So the, Hashem knew that the contamination of Egypt was so severe and powerful and strong that he could not send his greatest, strongest angels because they would surely fail. So he had to go himself to rescue and redeem the people of Israel. Me and no kind of angel. Moshe Rabbeinu saw his greatness that every time that he calls Hashem, Hashem is appearing and he's realizing that Hashem is so merciful and kind that even to such a contaminated person like him, Hashem is revealing himself in greatness because he, Moshe, knows about himself that he would never be able to surrender himself to no rabbi and to no great tzaddik. And only Hashem can save him because of his weaknesses, because of his lackings, because of how humble he is. He's not even able to understand that he's great. He's interpreting his greatness as the mercifulness and kindness of the maker. So today, when you're looking at yourself and you're finding yourself so full of scratches, so full of wounds, so full of darkness, full of lackings, from head to toe, there's no point with no wound, with no pain. You should not depend your salvation and your greatness and the greatness of your true potential in your attributes. 
in your kindness, in how wise and genius and talented you are. You can depend that on Hashem's unconditional love to his children. And in a very humble way, you can believe that his mercifulness and kindness are enough even to save a person like you and even to save the whole world from its current condition that is closer to destruction than to redemption. <clears throat> but the darkest hour is the hour before dawn. The moment before the first beams of light are appearing in the sky is the darkest hour. So we are now definitely in the darkest time of the world. In the news, they're talking about what we're going to do after World War III going to take place. Like we're talking about the solutions of after the war and there was, there's no war, like nothing happened, but they're already planning the after effect of the war. Like what's going on? The world is it just lost its will, lost its direction. As if there's no driver to that bus, it's going down the hill. When you look at the people who already understand that they're not really like, they're cuckoos, like they're not really normal, not sober at all, not sane. And they're running the world as if they know. Only hidden agendas, only selfish motives are pushing them and bringing them to take decisions. And they couldn't care less about lives of people. Like, what's that? Oh, that's dust that flies in the wind. Like, it's only background noises that needs to be shut down, shut off. Who cares about people, women screaming, children? Like, what's that? Oh, we can traffic them, no problem, elsewhere. We can use some children. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, good. Good idea. Thank you for that great idea. That's where the condition of the world is standing. People are so crazy, mentally sick, that it looks as if we lost control. That's the moment of the great shift. And for that, the world needs a push. And the way to push is to pray. The way to push is to talk to the maker and to ask for redemption. And when we're going to call Hashem, like the children of Israel called Hashem back then, like Hashem answered them, He's going to answer us. And you don't need to lower your expectations because of your weaknesses. Just aim to higher level of mercy and kindness of the Maker to redeem us and the whole wide world with us through the individual prayer and the power of truth in Bodhidut. Thank you so much. And may Hashem answer all our prayers and requests in no time. Amen. Can you hear that song? Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for coming, listening. There's more food outside. Our upcoming.